Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of EGN Radio. It's the Carson Wentz is finally traded. Our lives can move forward. Emergency podcast. I am here. Brandon Lee Gowton, of course, if you don't know somehow already, maybe you're a new listener. Uh, we appreciate you listening if that's the case. And if you're an old listener, get lost. No, that's okay. You can stay, too. Uh, I'm here with Jimmy Kemsky and from Philly Voice, of course, and then Benjamin Solak from BGN Radio, from Bleeding Green Nation, the Draft Network, from the Mina Kimes podcast, just, you know, total superstar over here. So we're, we're glad to have him. But uh, yeah, guys, Carson Wentz is finally gone. And the Eagles obviously got in return a 2021 third round pick from the Indianapolis Colts. And they got a 2022 conditional pick that is a second rounder as it currently stands, but can turn into a first round pick if one of two conditions are met. The first one being the Eagles uh, or sorry, Carson Wentz playing 75% of the snaps, and this, or the second one being Carson Wentz playing 70% of the snaps and the Colts making the playoffs. So that's the terms of the deal. I guess we'll start with Jimmy here. What was your initial reaction to the trade? I was playing Cooking Fever. I don't know if you've ever played that before, <laughs> if you know that what that is, but it's a total waste of time. And uh uh, my phone started blowing up and I'm like, oh, I guess that's it. And I looked and I saw what the deal was, went to the computer, started banging away. But the uh, the initial uh, thought was the compensation is okay-ish. Like I think it's fine based on sort of what we uh, have been hearing via various reports uh, over the last few weeks on what the trades compensation would be. Would be. Like they still have a chance of getting a first round pick. Uh, it is sort of in the hands a little bit of the Colts. Like if their season's going badly, uh, obviously the pick would be higher, but they can also just say, all right, well, let's just make sure we don't lose our first round pick and they bench Wentz at that point. So uh, that was sort of my initial, uh, uh, I, I guess, thought process on uh, sort of evaluating, you know, what the actual return was and how good the return is. And the return's fine, I guess, but I think that ultimately uh, the – just the, the fact that they dealt their face of the franchise uh, away for a couple of pair of day two picks when, uh, you know, uh, only six months ago, we sort of thought that this was a guy that would be the franchise quarterback for a long time, potentially is uh, a failure, uh, I guess, organizationally wide that um, I, I, there's no way that you can really feel good about this trade in any way. If you're an Eagles fan. I think that, making the 70% and we make the playoffs thing in there is the rudest thing that's ever happened. That can you imagine, that's basically saying, "Hey, if you get Nick Foles for a third time, we still get a first round pick." If the Eagles were the ones who put that in there, that's extremely disrespectful. Uh I mean, I agree in the sense that like from a long-term scope, looking at everything, it's very tough to feel good about this, right? Like if you had told Eagles fans in 2017, hey, don't worry, eventually you'll trade this guy for a three and maybe a, <laughs> right. a one, you know what I mean? And then since then, you know, 2018 and 2019, it's gotten maybe a little bit better or a little bit better. Like that's that's a little bit uh, more understandable of a trade. And then here we are in 2020 where it's like, I didn't think they were going to be able to get big capital back for him. All of a sudden, they're asking for multiple first-round picks. There were all the Bears reports, whether that was true or otherwise. They end up getting kind of a first from the Colts. And it's like, all right, well, he wasn't going to come back here and play well. It wasn't going to be good. He didn't want to be here. So that's that's good return for a guy who doesn't want to be here. But he, like again, like that's, that's, a, that's with the most narrow possible look at it. Guy didn't want to be here. 
got some picks for him. That's nice. Once you start looking at 33.8 million in dead cap, once you start looking at roster isn't built to develop a young quarterback, whether Jalen hurts or otherwise, and then you widen it out to see, Oh, and this is how much having no wide receivers hurt him and how much the offensive line injuries hurt him and so on and so forth. It just progressively gets worse and worse and worse. And you just look at it and you're like, ah, this all really sucks. I would say it's complicated. Like, yeah. I would say Carson Wentz's <laughs> legacy is complicated, and then like the the prism of which you view this deal through, um, depending if you're looking at it more short short term and accepting the inevitability of him getting traded. Then, to me, it's a good deal because I didn't expect them to be able to get any kind of first round pick. I, I think Solak, neither did you. I remember you tweeting about that. So, um, I think that they, and it's pretty reasonable that that to think that will be a first, right? I mean, you know, obviously Carson Wentz could suffer some major injury and then it wouldn't or whatever, but I I think it's more likely than not just looking even at his snap percentages throughout his career. He's only been under 70% like one time. And that was in 2018, you know, coming off the the ACL. So uh, I think it's a good bet that they're going to get that first. I think it's just crazy, you know, obviously when you're thinking about this is the guy they traded up for, this is the guy they gave a $128 million contract, and now we're here. Like, it's just so crazy that we've reached this point. Uh, it's 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 hard to believe, like, when you're looking at it in the long term. So uh, it's weird because on one hand, you, you like, the Eagles won a Super Bowl, and in part because mm-hmm. of the Carson Wentz trade. Right. And that's great. So it's like you can't say, you know, the era, era was a failure. Because they won the Super Bowl. But at the same time, I think uh, the way I put it, I was on the SB Nation NFL show with, uh, with uh, Rob Stats Guerrera and RJ Ochoa. And the way I put it to them is like you have to look at the opportunity cost of this. And this was you know, supposed to be a franchise quarterback. And you were supposed to build around him. And you screwed it up at some level. You made him not want to be here anymore. And that's a failure. Yeah, for sure. And the point that uh, you make there, like they almost certainly don't win the Super Bowl if they don't trade up a couple times and, and draft him at second overall. And I think that's part of the legacy that I'll have in, in Philadelphia. And you sort of look like it's such a roller coaster ride for him during his five years here where, you know, you remember that first game that he played against the Cleveland Browns where he was just awesome in that opening yeah. game. And then, you know, it wasn't as good the rest of the year. Like there was ups and downs in that rookie year. Obviously 2017 is what, what it was. Um, 2018 comes around and, you know, he doesn't start that season. He misses the first two games, I believe it was, of that season. Uh, Nick Foles started the first two, and then he came in in week three. You know, that, that season goes down, the, goes down the tubes for him uh, relatively quickly uh, after he has that broken back. Uh, as Brandon mentioned, that was the least number of snaps that he played in any season. And then, you know, 2019 was going badly, and he carries a bunch of practice squad guys uh, to the playoffs in those final four games, albeit against four, you know, bad divisional opponents, but still got the job done with not a lot of help on offense. And then 2020, obviously, being the, the total disaster of a season where he's statistically the worst quarterback in the NFL. And, um, you know, as, as Ben mentioned, he didn't want to be here. So, you know, it wasn't going to work out going forward. He doesn't want to be here. Might not be good really anymore. The, as he as Ben also mentioned, you don't have, you know, good weapons. You probably like there's no it's not a good uh, roster to to sort of facilitate to make it like, I guess, quarterback friendly is the way I put it. So, I mean, just when you look at the history of of his time with the team it'll it'll be kind of like an interesting debate on how he's remembered down the line for right now my personal feeling is that he wanted out as soon as the tough got going and I don't have a lot of respect for that kind of mentality but you know he ultimately though he is in a place now in Indianapolis where he is set up for more success because you got a team there now that uh it's a solid roster and they have a crap ton of cap space. So they're going to be able to spend, not only spend a lot in free agency this year, but they're not going to have much in the way of competition for the guys that are available on the open market, because there's so many teams that have cap troubles or don't have a lot of cap space. So they have a really good opportunity to improve their roster this year. So Carson Wentz is in a much better spot in Indianapolis than he would have been in Philadelphia. So like, while I kind of don't respect the the idea of just kind of trying to force your way out of town, uh, I do understand that, uh, it is probably better for his career. Yeah, I think it's it's funny, right? You like how will this be remembered once in Philadelphia? At the very best, they messed up because he could go to Indy and be really bad, and then try to go somewhere else, and it's still bad, and it's whatever. And it's like, all right, this was the second overall pick, and it was more so than like a second overall pick where 
you just never looked like the guy, right? Like a first round quarterback where you're like, all right, this was never it. It's not like Paxton Lynch, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. there was a moment here where it was like, yeah, we did it. The uh, best player in the league. Yeah, we, 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 we got a great one. We did it. Uh, that fell away over the attrition of, of several years of, of it being unable to build around him. They didn't get healthy, talented wide receivers in the building. Uh, they tried to improve on offensive line depth and were unsuccessful in doing so. So when injuries came, because they had an older offensive line, they weren't able to respond to that. Uh, and then obviously they cycled through multiple offensive coaching staffs before eventually firing Doug Peterson. So you have all of that uh, to say that Wentz goes to Indianapolis, that is bad, goes somewhere else is bad, career falls apart. The Eagles will, will remember them trading Wentz saying like, all right, good, they got out from that contract, but in general they failed. If he goes to India and is any sort of good, <laughs> you know, it, it the the recollection of it and how history will remember Wentz's tenure in Philadelphia will be even more damning uh, for Harry Rosen, for Jeffrey Lurie, and for Doug Peterson as guys who took a good quarterback and made him look not just like bad, like didn't like just make his job tough. He was statistically the worst quarterback. Like it, it, it's funny because it's easy to forget just how bad he was. And then after he gets traded, you start seeing all those stats come back up on the timeline again. Like I just saw like the absolute worst right. quarterback under pressure by EPA, by PFF grading, by yards per attempt, da 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 It's the most sacked quarterback. Like you forget just how there's like the cut up of him just like missing all these throws. It's like, oh my gosh, he was so bad. How did they do this if in the event that he goes to Indianapolis and is better? I think he'll definitely go to Indy and be at least X better. Because it's simply easier to throw it to T.Y. Hilton than it is to Greg Ward. You know what I mean? Like, it's just simply uh, uh, easier to play behind Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly than it was to play behind Nate Herbig and Sue Opeta and Jordan Mailata, so on and so forth. Uh, how much so, you know, it r- remains to be seen. How much of that will be what Indy does schematically versus what he does individually. Like, that's all yet to be seen. But there's there's no way we'll ever look back on Wentz in Philadelphia and be like, you know what, like that they, they did their best and it was a good effort and they, that was well done and they got the best. Like, that's just not going to happen. It, it will always be, look, you always look back at that stretch and wonder just how badly they screwed up Carson Wentz. And to that point, I think it's needs to be said that it's not like the Eagles move on from Carson Wentz and everything is fine now. Like, there's so many issues that are still here and when you talk about who won the Carson Wentz trade, though, I will say I feel like the Eagles did just because from a standpoint of I don't think Carson Wentz was part of the solution here anymore. And I think even if he succeeds in Indy, that doesn't necessarily mean the Eagles were wrong to trade him. Now, that kind of depends, too. I mean, if I mean, from a process standpoint, I don't think it's wrong just because I don't think you can look at Wentz's projection and know what you know about him in terms of not being coachable and not showing improvement in key categories to that point, like fumbles, 59 and 69 career games. Not very nice. Uh, It's a big issue. His accuracy, not getting any better. He was the least accurate passer in the NFL last year with clean pockets. Like you can talk about the residual effects of pressure and whatnot, but like, come on, man, like any... Any year, basically, besides 2017, he has been below average in terms of accuracy. Like, it's just not a strength of his. And that's not to say it's the only skill that matters, but it's kind of a big one. Like, at a very basic level, I don't think Carson Wentz is, like, supremely good at throwing the football where it needs to be. I know that's boiling it down very basic, but I think there's truth to that. And and I think that's frustrating. I think it's hard to build around. That doesn't obviously uh, wipe away all the talent he has. But I, I just think it's very clear that if he rebounds, it wasn't happening here. And for the Eagles to get out of this deal before um, you know his $10 million roster bonus this year became guaranteed and to do it before you know, $15 million of his 2022 salary became guaranteed. That's a win for me because the way I think we've been talking about it here on BGN Radio, or at least I've been, is like it's zero more years of Carson Wentz or two. And I just don't see how in any world the Eagles could possibly go two more years of Carson Wentz after the player we just saw, uh, you know, last year. So to me, they won this trade. It doesn't mean like they won it in a landslide. And it doesn't mean that, um, you know, the organization – still failed because they got into this spot. I think you put it in a good way, Ben, in terms of, you know, you wrote the article for BleakingGreenNation.com, Harry Roseman both won and lost the trade. In the short term, I think they won the trade. Do you disagree? I'll say they both lost. (laughs) I'll say the Eagles and, and, and the Colts both lost this trade. I mean, I just go back to it's just a total organizational failure 
from you know in trading him at all like the front office failed the coaching staff failed in 2020 for sure and Wentz himself failed I mean like let's let's be real about um I mean even just beyond the play that you mentioned there was a time where like he had the triple crown of awfulness like during the season where he like led the league in interceptions in fumbles and sacks taken and I think at the end of the year well he definitely led the league in sacks taken he definitely led the league in interceptions I think was it Derek Carr passed him for for most fumbles? And if someone who cares, I think he ended up second in the in the NFL in fumbles, despite you know I mean, he missed like the the last three and a half games of the season because he got benched, obviously. And then I mean the more concerning thing for me with Carson Wentz is that he like he, he didn't take accountability for for his badness either. So that was a big deal for me. So ultimately, like it was, it, they made the right decision by trading him. But again, I go back to like you just can't feel good about it in any way if you're if you're a fan of this franchise. I do think that getting the two day two picks at a minimum back in return was fine. Like that's a fine return for the situation that they were in. Like there wasn't a lot of interest, and there shouldn't have been a lot of interest. Uh, the Colts were always the obvious team for him to go to because of the Frank Wright connection. Then they hire Press Taylor, and they have the cap space. And all that. I so totally like, forgot they have Press. <laughs> yes. Oh my goodness! They got well, Press. Grow. They have Press well, and Grow. <laughs> right. What? How? Oh my god! That's my thing. I don't mean to cut you off, Jimmy. But no, that's my thing with with. Wentz and the Colts and it's like all right he knows Frank Reich he's buddies with Frank Reich he trusts Frank Reich sure like cool that's good the Colts just underwent a couple changes in their offensive coaching staff so now he's going to be with a guy who didn't solve the problem for him in 2018 and 2019 and grow and guy who didn't solve the problem for him in 18 19 and 20 and press Taylor yes he has Frank Reich who with whom he was successful in 2017 uh from what I understand it Reich was the good cop to John D. Filippo's bad cop. They tried to go all good cop with Grown with Taylor. It didn't work. Uh, and so, like, let's say Wentz goes, and, like, week one, it's great. And week two, it's great. And week three, it's great. And he's, he's playing fast. He's playing strong. And they're, they're finding ways to get him out of the pocket. All the stuff that we talked about during the season, like how you would fix Carson Wentz, they're doing. Eventually, you get to, like, week nine, and you play a good defense, and they know what you're putting on film, and your offensive line's a little banged up, and you have a bad game. And then you sit down in the meeting room on Monday and your coaches go like, Carson, you know, we need you to, to get faster to your checkdowns. What happens then? Like, I'm not interested in what, what happens like, oh, like, you know, Rice going to be better. This is going to be better. Sure. The, the issue with Wentz was like once, as Jimmy said, like the going got tough. There was just a immediate buttheads, complete friction. He, he, he didn't seem to move off his spot at all. Like, oh, I'm willing to do this. I'm willing to change that. He seemed, this is the way I'm going to play quarterback. Everybody's got to work around me. And dug his heels in and it just got progressively worse and worse and worse and worse. So like this sunshine and daisies Indianapolis, that's kind of been described for Carson Wentz. Like it's the ideal landing spot for him. Yes. But even the ideal spots in the NFL get ugly, you know, like that Phil, they had to like totally redo that passing game for Phillip rivers in the middle of the season. Like it wasn't mm-hmm. going well. And they had to like restructure how they wanted to throw the ball around the field. I, I don't know if this individual person, Carson Wentz is, is, comfortable doing that especially with guys with whom he's already like grow and press taylor like he already has an established relationship i'm very worried that like even if things initially go well in indianapolis across time we'll see the same you know crumbling once they reach conflict that we saw in philadelphia yeah to uh the the, the team that like i think made sense once we found out that they were uh in the mix was the bears because you have the gm and the head coach who are both on the hot seat and you know, they had to bring in a quarterback or else, and I make, you know, or else they're probably not going to make the playoffs. They kind of, you know, backdoored their way in this year. Uh, eight and eight made the playoffs. Totally unsatisfying, but they kept their jobs. So it made sense for them to bring in, I guess, the, the, the next best available quarterback after Matt Stafford got traded uh, to the Rams, of course. The Colts, however, like their GM and head coach are in no trouble whatsoever. So I don't understand like why they would panic and uh, make a trade for, again, the statistically right. first quarterback in the this NFL. This is the biggest quarterback move that Ballard has made. <laughs> and it's like, this guy? You know, right. like, a little bit, right? Like, I, they, uh, you know, they they play it a little bit slow on the, the Brady market, right? Obviously, Brady always kind of wanted to go to Tampa, and then they end up with Phillip Rivers. And it's like, all right, they were kind of there on Stafford, but they didn't want to go all the way on Stafford. And then all of a sudden, it's like, well, Carson Wentz was the best option left for the Colts. And it's like, I respect how Ballard's built this team. It's been very careful. They got a lot of cap space. They haven't been, you know, aggressive. They haven't made, took a ton of risks. The fact that this was the risk that they took, to me, is very 
odd, you know, and people say like, oh, like they were too far away to trade up for a quarterback. You can go for were they? Yeah, right. Like you, you, uh, the Texans, went, the Texans went from 22 to 10 to get Watson. All they sent was an extra first. Chiefs you know went I mean? from where to eight to get Mahomes. Like near they 20. The 20s, they were like late right? teens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so like, and like four quarterbacks that are probably right? going to go top 10. It'd be interesting to know like what they thought of these quarterbacks. Like yeah. if they didn't, if they didn't like the quarterbacks or if they just felt they couldn't get up and get them. Right. And so that's why like one of in the immediate wake of the Wentz trade, I, I shared like, all right, let's say, you know, it's draft day. Colts haven't traded for Wentz. Dallas is on the clock at 10. Ballard calls them and says, you'll have this year's one next year's one and this year's three. So I either Wentz deal plus 21 for pick 10 would the Cowboys take that and most people were like yeah Cowboys would love that so you could have made that trade again like if a quarterback makes it there we don't know that and that's a scary thing and so I I get you know playing that whatever safe and so on people are very excited about the Colts having 21 then to all right they need an edge they need an offensive tackle they've got 68 million dollars they don't even (laughs) spend in 21 for a starting tackle Trent Williams about to be a free agent Taylor Mullen's about to be a free agent potentially again like there's risk here of course they're the Colts had a lot of ways to go about this. They had capital and they had money. I don't think they were as boxed into Wentz as it seemed. And and I think that they let themselves get a little bit boxed into Wentz. They kind of talked themselves into being boxed into Wentz. If he's their guy, he's their guy. I He wouldn't be my guy, but I, I get it. I just, uh, I'm surprised this is the risk that Ballard took. I think one thing that might potentially work in Carson Wentz's favor in terms of rehabilitating him is bringing him to a new organization that is not built around him. That does not cater to his every whim like the Eagles did. I think maybe that's your your like sticking point if you're the Colts. It's like, we're going to bring him in, but he's not going to be handed everything quite like he was in Philadelphia. You know, he's not going to be the number two overall pick. He's not going to be the guy that got a $128 million extension. I mean, they still gave up some picks for him, but it's not like they necessarily moved you know heaven and earth to get him. They, they got him at their price ultimately. So I wonder if that could kind of be the difference in terms of, you know, the, the culture there being different um, and it not the world not totally revolving around him. Um, but I want to take a break here. And when we get back, we're going to talk to, about the quarterback that might be replacing Carson Wentz. Maybe not guaranteed, apparently. Uh, Jalen Hurts. And we'll talk about that back after this on BGN Radio. When we are <laughs> back, back after this. After this. <laughs> Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio. By the way, right to sellingcraftjerky.com. Good place to go to get some some craft jerky. 15, use uh, discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Uh, Jalen Hurts is the only quarterback under contract for 2021 mm-hmm. on the Eagles roster. Nate Sudfeld, obviously free agent. I'm not expecting him to return. He's the same agent as Carson Wentz, after by the, the way. Uh, after the display he got to put out in week <laughs> 17, you know, that was the, uh, well, of course he's not coming back. That's why was well, he was unstoppable. Who did you though. say has the same, he has the same agent as Carson Wentz? Who? Uh, Nate Sudfeld. Oh, Nate Carson Sudfeld, Wentz. Okay. Actually, it's funny, it's funny you say agency. that because I was just texting with another reporter uh, this morning and uh, it's, it's really incredible how many uh, – so his his representation is Rep 1 Sports. Um, Toner. It's crazy how many guys they drafted after Wentz 
from that agency. Yes. I'm going to go down that list real quick. Somebody, so, somebody put that over an article. It was, I think it was, uh, it was McLean. McLean. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He, yeah, I was gonna he, say. he did the math on like, it's like, uh, what percent chance it'd be that this was coincidence. And it's like infinitesimal. And I was like, Holy smokes. Yeah. So here's the list. It's Isaac Sayamalo, Matt Collins, Dallas Goddard, Andre Dillard, JJ Ortega Whiteside, Jack Driscoll. And then you, you mm. mentioned Nate Sudfeld. I don't know who, what, what other veterans he has that uh, that uh, wound up on the Eagles. But ju- those are just draft picks. Since yeah, Wentz that's got even drafted. more insane. Crazy. So, like, the idea that like the Eagles didn't do a lot to try to keep him happy is nonsense, in my opinion. Because you have that, and then you have, of course, you know, they they took a lot of swings on wide receivers and offensive linemen. They just weren't good at you know picking yeah. them, I guess. But they did try. I mean, there, it wasn't for a lack of effort. Anyway. Back to your, uh, you were going to bring up uh, Jalen Hurts. Well, just to the, to wrap that up, it is true. It's it's kind of funny to be like, well, they did try to help him, but they also did try and fail miserably when you're bringing in J.J. Arthago-Whiteside instead of D.K. Metcalf yeah. and, you know, Justin Jefferson or Rager instead of Justin Jefferson. But, yeah, so, all right, everyone, you know, assuming that Jalen Hurts is the Eagles' starting quarterback now, not so fast, according to uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen, who included in their Carson Wentz trade report that the Eagles are expected to bring in competition for Jalen Hurts, and they are not just automatically handing him the starting job. So I want to, to put it out there. I'll put my opinion out first. Let it be known that I think there's sense in having Jalen Hurts be your quarterback for the 2021 season. I've been saying that, I think, basically since – he became the starter, and I said the Eagles need to turn the page on Carson Wentz at this point. Uh, it's not about you know necessarily having this supreme belief in Jalen Hurts. You know, there's a lot of bad things that he displayed last year in terms of fumbles too much, uh, accuracy was not good. Uh, he had like the, the highest bad throw percentage in the league. He had the the lowest on target throw percentage. Uh, if you put him among qualified passers, like and it was like significant too. It was like both of those marks were like way worse than Drew Locke, who was like the next worst than him. So, uh, you know, I don't have supreme confidence in Jalen Hurts necessarily as the guy, but just based on where the Eagles are in this kind of retooling phase or whatever you want to call it, I just think there's merit to kind of evaluating for him for a year and and kind of seeing what you have. And if he's great, then great, you found your answer. And if he's not, then you can probably, not necessarily guaranteed, but you can probably get a quarterback next year. And now you have, you know, the pick in return for Carson Wentz that's probably going to be a first that can help you potentially trade up for uh, in next year's draft if you have to do so, or this year's if you really believe in a guy this year. Um, but the question for both of you is, will Jalen Hurts be the Eagles starting quarterback in 2021? I'll jump in. So I still have a lot of work to do on, and I guess this is going to be the next question coming up, but I still have work to do on, in terms of like watching the, you know, the, those four quarterbacks that are likely to go top 10 in the NFL draft. And those of course are Trevor Lawrence, uh, uh, Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and uh, Zach Wilson. So I've seen my share of Trevor Lawrence, just watching casu- you know college football casually. Like I know he's good. I don't know enough about the other guy. Like I've seen them a little bit. I've seen my share of Justin Fields, not super, thrilled about him, but you know, I, I have a lot of work to do there. So I can't really speak uh, comfortably or confidently on, you know, should they take one of those guys at six, but if the Eagles feel like they have to have one of those guys at pick number six, then go get them. And by the way, it's not a quarterback competition at that point. If they take a guy at six, like that's the guy like that. It's not, like Jalen hurts. Isn't competing. I mean, he might start the season as the starter because he has some experience as a rookie, but like, if you take a guy at six, then that's going to be that's the guy that you're building your franchise around at that point. Um, so you know, I I put more like, I mean, that's really what the question is: Are they going to draft a guy at six? Because if they do, then he's going to be the quarterback. And if they don't, then Jalen Hurts is going to be the quarterback. Like, they could certainly take a guy in the second round. I think that'd be ridiculous. They could take a guy like somewhere on day three. Honestly, I think that like it's either pick number six or it's bust. Like, you're just going to keep taking quarterbacks in the second round. Like it's just that, that, that sort of philosophy, like your strategy or whatever, doesn't, doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah, I think they are going to take one at six. And I know that we're getting ahead of ourselves. I'm getting ahead of it. Like in, in terms of like where, where this conversation is going, but like, I think they are going to take one at six. And uh, I don't think that Jalen hurts is going to be the, the long-term answer at quarterback. And you mentioned it, Brandon, like the, the, the detriments to his game is, is throwing. Like he he's, he's he doesn't have a strong arm and he's not <laughs> accurate. 
And like, he's got the intangibles, like he's got the leadership qualities. He's like a guy that you want to follow if you're, if you're his teammate and he's got the running ability, not only the running ability, but like, he's like, he's a, he's a beast in the weight room. So you don't really have to worry about him maybe as much as other running quarterbacks, because those guys tend to stay healthier than like, you know, than other sort of scrawnier type of running quarterbacks like Michael Vick, for example, back in the day. But like, is he that like is he that threatening as a runner? Like he's certainly not Lamar Jackson talented in that in that regard. So I don't know if you can really build your offense around that guy or if that's the ideal thing to do. And he's got a long way to like if he can he can be successful in the NFL if he can learn to throw with, with anticipation and on time and all that. But I think that the accuracy and the arm strength issues are going to be obstacles that are really hard to overcome. Yeah, I uh, I think okay if we want to like flip this on its head and say like, all right, the case for starting Jalen hurts, the state of the Eagles roster, if they're honest about it is probably your best argument in the sense of, are you worried about bringing in a, a highly drafted rookie quarterback, the top six pick, maybe you trade up for him and then subsequently having no infrastructure for him. Right. I mean, the offensive line could undergo pretty significant overhaul, right? Peters is out. So they're going to be starting one of my or Dillard. Both of those can be dangerous. Uh, Jason Kelsey potentially retiring slash free agency slash getting cut slash moving on. Now you're maybe you're moving Sam Mala to center. Maybe you're drafting a center. Maybe you're signing a center. Brandon Brooks coming back from another major injury. Love Brandon Brooks. Think he's awesome. You also have to worry about availability for 16 games and caliber play when he comes back. Lane Johnson been banged up for the past couple of seasons. Have to worry about caliber play and, and availability. So like you could be putting a rookie behind a very bad offensive line, which is always dangerous because rookies got to get used to speed of play and pressure can really break them. Uh, and then obviously you turn to the Eagles wide receiver room where it's like, all right, who is here, right? Who helps? Even if like Fulgham is good, even if like Rager is better, neither one of these guys are veterans. Neither one of these guys are the, are the, uh, the vets you'd want to pair with a rookie quarterback to help him learn how to see the field, to understand the game, right? They don't have that experience that they can bring back onto him. The Eagles veteran receivers, Alshon Jeffrey, uh, Deshaun Jackson, they'll be getting out of the building because of cap problems. So they're not going to have that presence. And so if you want to argue that 2021 is a, just a sunk year, then you you don't necessarily want to bring a rookie into that circumstance. Whereas Jalen Hurts, second year pro, long shot development, because of his running ability, can buoy your offense with, you know, with his ability on the ground, running the football, keep you like quote unquote competitive while also you acknowledge that you you have to build the the foundation first in, in the roster before you bring in a rookie quarterback. That's the case. I don't buy it because, A, I don't think they're going to think that way about their roster because they never do. B, the same way that an offensive, a poor offensive line and a poor wide receiver can inhibit your quarterback development, a poor quarterback can inhibit your offensive line and your wide receiver development. Hurts uh, isn't good for Rager. Rager learning how to play the game because – they're not going to run very many routes for Rager with Jalen Hurts at quarterback. Uh, you know, uh, Hurts isn't good for Jordan Mailata learning the game because Hurts is going to be able to run around in the pocket constantly. They're going to constantly move the spot. They're going to, they're going to roll them out, sprint outs, and Hurts is going to be able to avoid pressure all over the place. So Mailata is going to get away with stuff that he wouldn't get away with with a less mobile passer. I, I, I don't see how the Eagles are going to be able to seriously start Jalen Hurts next year and be like, this is because, you know, we're, we're good and this is our path going forward. I don't, that, that, that's not me. Now, I was lower on Jalen Hurts evaluating him coming out than the Eagles clearly were because the Eagles were out here picking him at 53 when they didn't need a quarterback, right? So there's a chance that they're just higher on him than everybody and they're going to go in and, and they're going to try it. And if so, uh, all the power to you. But then all of a sudden you're picking at like 11 instead of six. You're picking at nine instead of six in a much worse quarterback class. And you're in a, a far more dangerous spot and getting your guy. So I'm, I'm not sure, like Jimmy said, that they're going to be willing to pass on this class. It's interesting. Well, the way you put it on Twitter, I think was good, Ben, in that if they were willing to draft a quarterback at number 53 last year, when they had a franchise quarterback, at least what they believed to be one in the fold, how would they not draft one? This year, when they do not exactly. have that, yeah, and they're in a higher position to do that. So right. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, and that's terms- right. Like Jimmy's saying, like you know, he hasn't watched the quarterbacks yet, and like he'd be curious how Indy thinks of these quarterbacks with this big four. 
I, I would be stunned if the Eagles had Jalen Hurts graded above any of the four. Mm-hmm. Trey Lance, Zach right. Wilson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence. I would be stunned. And, and Anyone else you want to add to that? I think or they have you him ranked. That I, other quarterback, like Mac I, Jones? I know. I think they'd have him ranked above Mac. Uh, okay. And, and I'll tell you the reason why. I was going to bring it up with these four quarterbacks. The big advantage of Jalen Hurts is what? The rushing ability. All four of the top four quarterbacks are good runners. Mm-hmm. So Hurts doesn't even have that edge. You know, if the Eagles are like, we're all about mobile quarterbacks now. We're all like quarter, moving the set point, playing 11 on 11. Like some of the stuff they talked about, Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, whatever. Wilson and uh, uh, so like I would say Fields and Lawrence, I would need uh, – None of them are just like average runners. They're all at least right. good. Like Lawrence regularly, like people are like, he's just fast. And then he's like outruns guys. Fields is baby Newton, right? He's 230 pounds. He's an absolute tank. Trey Lance gets comp to call him Kaepernick, right? Because he's going to run like four fives and he's six, six four. And then Wilson's a little scamper boy. You know what I mean? A little Kyler Murray, Johnny Manziel, just like out here, just like juking kids left and right. They're all, the, all of them, QB run is going to be a part of your offense in year one. So you don't even get, like Hertz's his big advantage. He's probably a better runner than all of them, except for Trey Lance, I would say. But he loses his big advantage in the Eagles grading system. All four of them are clearly better throwers, and they're at least nearly equivalent runners. So I'd be stunned if he gra- if he grades above any of the four. And even if they sit at six, I would imagine at least one quarterback will still be there at six. Yeah. If it's Trey Lance, it'll be absolutely hilarious. <laughs> and I'm not sure right. they even pick him because of the whole North Dakota State thing. But I think they could sit at six and they'll have a quarterback on the board that grades out higher than Hertz. And so because of that, because of the way they've invested in the position, I think they would make that pick. I know that's your next question, VLG, but that's my answer. Well, let's get to it. Ben, I mean, you obviously follow the draft most intensely out of any other person on the the planet. So let's just go to you for this, (laughs) where we ask you like, who should the Eagles draft? Like, let's say they're on, or it doesn't even have to be necessarily at six. Cause let's say, should they trade up? And then who is the quarterback that Eagles fans should be wanting? Do you, do I'll phrase that differently? Do you have like your own ranking of those four guys at this point or no? Yeah, I do. Uh, Let's hear that. Yeah. So for me, it goes uh, Trevor Lawrence at one who, Lawrence isn't perfect. You know, he's been billed as generational. He's been billed as luck. Much like luck at the time. Like, he was billed as generational and then he wasn't perfect. But he's clearly one overall caliber. He's very, very good. He's going to the Jags. Uh, Justin Fields at Ohio State is two for me. Fields would be uh, one overall quarterback in any other class that did not really? have Lawrence. Yeah. Okay. And, and, that, and, all right, and this is me particularly. League doesn't feel the same way, which we'll talk about in a second. But for me, I watch Fields and I see – 60 yards on a spot. I see a guy who can break tackles inside the pocket. Uh, I I see a great field processor. The whole field processing thing with Ohio State is a total nightmare conversation. It's going to get discussed 10,000 different ways. Uh, Will, Zach Wilson at three, the BYU kid. This is the guy who's getting Patrick Mahomes comparisons, Aaron Rodgers comparisons. Uh, really, really good creating on the move, right? He's got 10,000 different arm angles. He's got Kyler Murray tendencies to him. And then four is Trey Lance and... Trey Lance is just as talented as any of those three I just named. Unbelievable physical tools, great runner, the best dual threat of all the group, great arm. It's just one year of starting at the FCS level versus multiple years of starting at the FBS level. You can't with with confidence be like, Lance is going to be better than these guys. There's just so much undiscovered there, right? That you, you can't really measure. Uh, with, right, that, so that's me. Uh, it, the league clearly likes Wilson more than Fields. Uh, Wilson definitely is more so in the mold of where the league is going in terms of throwing on the move, creating outside of structure, uh, you know, being able to make ridiculous arm angle throws, sidearm stuff, little window stuff, right? All, all, all these quarterbacks we've recently seen grow these last couple of years, right? And shine these last couple of years with, with their variety of throws, with their, their arm strength. That's Wilson's mold, whereas Fields is more so of a traditional dropback passer, even for his running ability. Fields likes to... And stop me if any of this sounds familiar. Hang in the pocket, uh, you know, break pressure at the last second. Uh, for you know, attack throws downfield. You know, aggressively hit his first read. He has some Carson Wentzian tendencies to him. Justin Fields does absolutely. Um, so league likes Wilson better. Uh, I would be very surprised if we get to April and we don't end up with Trevor Lawrence off the board at one and Zach Wilson off the board at two to the Jets. And if that's the case. And the Eagles have Justin Fields in range. To me, that's a that's a tremendous pick. To me, that's a, a pretty much best case scenario. Uh, I would even be very very happy with Trey Lance, uh, who I think is a really really good developmental quarterback with all the tools that you want. I I think that 
dealing with the North Dakota state narrative would be a tough obstacle in year, in year one. They can't, they can't care about that. Like the fans will care about right. that, but the, the team can't though. Right. And they shouldn't. They, they shouldn't. <laughs> I really hope they don't. Uh, I remember when they were taking Wentz, you know, Roseman talked a lot about the struggles that they had in evaluating him at that level mm-hmm. and the fear that they had and how confident they had to be in the individual and in the film to overcome that. Field, uh, that that was Wentz as a multi-year starter at North Dakota State. Lance has got one year at North Dakota State. And I, I'm very worried that with the way that the Eagles front office evaluates, they'll just preclude Lance immediately because he doesn't fit their benchmarks, right? We know how much starts matters, like the Bill Parcells. Like if he hasn't started 36 games, I don't want right. him, you know, sort of whatever. Uh, so I'm, I'm worried about that on the Trey Lance thing. That's why like the North Dakota State thing is a little bit of a joke. But if you were at, you know, Weber State, if you're at Illinois State, another good FCS team, it'd be the same issue. You know, I'd have the same worries of, of the Eagles front office. So to me, best case scenario is that they get fields. At six would be nuts. Uh, I think it would take a trade up. Uh, and, and then you start talking about cost benefit and figuring out the price. Um, but it's a class where all four quarterbacks are worthy of the sixth overall pick. And I do think that at least one will be available, whether or not they make that swing. Uh, that's what they got to decide over the next two and a half months. Do we have any final thoughts on Carson Wentz and the fallout of all this? I mm. hope he wins a playoff game. I really do. <laughs> like it was, he has nine career snaps in the playoffs. I hope he, well, I hope he plays a playoff game. <laughs> on that note, I want to hear from both of you. How do the Colts finish next year? Record, and then like if you if they're making the playoffs, tell me what they do in the playoffs. I think they're going to make the playoffs. And I mean, you look at their division. Their division stinks. They have Houston, they have Jacksonville, and they have Tennessee, who's okay. Um, so right there, there's a big benefit. And then. Their roster is solid. Like, it's a good defense. They have a good offensive line, as people have said breathlessly. By the way, if I can just take a quick note, like, people are like, oh, he's going to kill behind that Colts offensive line. The Eagles offensive line was, like, top five for the last five years. So, like, like this year it wasn't good. But he had a great offensive line for, like, the entire tenure of his – with the exception of 2020, the entire tenure of his, of his time with, with the Eagles. Anyway, uh, good offensive line, good defense, decent enough skill players, good running back rotation anyway. like he's going to be set up to succeed there. And I don't think they need to have him like play the hero ball that he did at times during uh, the 2020 season. And uh, like I said earlier, they have just a crap ton of uh, cap space. Uh, they only lose the third round pick in 2021. So they can get a player in the first round. They get a player in the second round. They're going to have a good chance to really improve their roster this season. I don't know if it's a great, long-term play as I mentioned earlier for this Colts franchise but in 2021 I do think they are going to be better than they were uh in 2020 and I think they're going to win I'll go 10 games 10 and 6 right. and then what they, the they win they win they win the division at 10 and 6 they win one playoff game and then gone okay Ben mm. have you ever played the you know you know the uh the game kiss I used to play where I just read the schedule and you just have to say win or loss at the top of your head <laughs> okay let's <laughs> All right, uh, Colts twenty twenty one at Arizona. Loss. Win. Oh man, I got to do this for both of you. This is gonna be a lot. All right, here we go. <laughs> this is this uh, is not a good podcast. Let's do it anyway. No, the fans want to play along too. They'll play along in their heads. Okay. At Baltimore. Bo- loss. loss. All right, uh, at Buffalo. Loss. Loss. All right, so Jimmy has to start. I have a moment three. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna turn around. At Houston. That's a win. Win. Uh, versus Houston. Win. Win. Versus Jacksonville. Win. Win. Uh, versus Tennessee. Win. Win. All right. Uh, versus New England. Win. I'm going to say loss. All right. Uh, at the halfway point, the Colts are five and three for both of you. Okay. Uh, versus the Jets. Win. Win. BLG, you can't be hesitating on versus the Jets, man. <laughs> Uh, versus the Rams, they might get Deshaun Watson. Who knows? Uh, anyway, that's a loss. Rams, for uh, me. Rams, yeah. I'll give a loss. All right. Uh, versus Seattle, win, loss. Versus the Raiders, win, win. At Jacksonville, loss. 
I will also <laughs> go. I will also go lost there too. Wow. I think they'll Frank lose Frank. one. They'll lose one road game to either Jacksonville right. or Houston. I mean, they lost to Jacksonville Frank, week one this year. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, Frank Frank Reich has never swept Jacksonville. How like, do you know these with things? The Colts. <laughs> no, uh, shout out Noah Becker tweeted that at Miami. Win. Uh, I like Miami, but win. Wait. Uh, yeah, win. Okay. okay. Uh, at San Francisco. Win. Win. At Tennessee. Loss. Loss. They're not going to sweep them. Uh, BLG has the Colts at 9-7. and seven. Jimmy has them at 10-6, and six, just as Jimmy said he would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well done. Right, yeah. I think that the Colts were 11-5. and five. I think that they were shaky a little bit figuring out the passing game with Phillip Rivers to start. But eventually down the stretch, Rivers was playing really good ball for them. And even if you're like, Rivers had a noodle arm, Rivers was throwing catchable footballs. Wentz might have a big arm, but Wentz ain't throwing catchable footballs recently. Uh, so to me, right, like I think that there's a chance the Colts get better from 2020 into 2021. But a lot of that has to do with $68 million in cap space, first round pick, second round pick, uh, you know, re-signed T.Y. Hilton, solve your left tackle problem, some improvements on defense. You know, uh, they, they've gone cheap at corner. They should go expensive there, in my opinion. And they're clearly gearing up to make a push because they got this Wentz deal done. So I think they're going to make some of those big moves. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're 11 and 5 again. I wouldn't be surprised if they, they like Jimmy said, win a, a bad AFC South. With that said, yeah, I think they get to a wild card round against, uh, you know, the the second team of Cleveland and Baltimore from the AFC North, right. or you know, right, uh, Buffalo or Miami, the second team from the AFC East. And I think that much like the Colts this year, they struggle against playoff caliber teams in the AFC. Uh, it's because good coaching can only take you so far, and then eventually talent comes into play, and the most important position is quarterback. So I'd love to see Wentz play a playoff game. I'd love to see him win a playoff game just because I, yeah, I feel bad for him. Um, but I, I, I think that at the very, I think that at the very best they go one win and done in the playoffs. Uh, I, I would imagine they make the playoffs. I don't see them as a as a contender in the AFC any more than they were before this deal. Right. I mean, clearly they're going to be way behind teams like, uh, well, I mean the Chiefs right off the bat. So right. like. It's a it's a tough hill to climb in that a- the AFC if, is like so wildly right. better than the I mean the Super Bowl aside the AFC is like significantly better than the NFC and like uh, obviously like is we're not talking about the Colts we don't cover the Colts but like let's say Miami gets Deshaun which I would say is the most likely Deshaun outcome mm-hmm. Col- the Colts are worse than the Chiefs they're worse than the Dolphins in my opinion if they get Deshaun bingo they're worse than the Bills then we start talking about where the Ravens are at in terms of solving their passing game, the Steelers with whether or not they have Ben Roethlisberger, if the Browns can do it in year two, but like they're at best, the fourth best AFC team. And even then I think like putting them above the Browns and above the Ravens is tricky for me. So even like with Wentz, like I just, how much did the team meter move to me? It's just not, not too much. It's funny. I hadn't thought of this, but like the Eagles, Eagles fans are going to be like big Titans fans this year. Like are going to be rooting for the Titans on, on a weekly basis, which is yeah. kind of funny to me. Unless it comes to the point where when somebody plays uh, 70% of the snaps <laughs> right. and, they, and they need the right. Colts to uh, like, to like make Eric, the playoffs like there. Eric Rowe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the old condition there. Um, my final thought on it all is that I think people overrate Carson Wentz from 2018 to 2019. And I'm probably guilty of that as well, especially saying it in hindsight now, mm-hmm. but um, you know, I think we all looked at 2017 during those years as a attainable kind of ceiling for him to get back to. And it, I don't think it ever was. And I think the thing about the 2017 season was that it was just unsustainable in terms of his success on third down and in key situations like that was never going to be upheld. And I think especially with the injuries too taking their toll. I just don't think he's that same player anymore. And I think a lot of people disappointed in this deal kind of have that same player in their heads. And we saw glimpses of that same player flash from time to time uh, in his remaining tenure. But, you know, it was never anything consistent. And even in those years, in in 2018 and then 2019, like I think it was Dan Orlovsky, no surprise. I I can't remember if it was him or not, but it was like Carson Wentz, top seven quarterback this year. It's like, no, he wasn't. What are we talking about? Who's the top seven quarterback? My favorite, my favorite stat of this entire thing is is Mike Sandoz QB rankings after the 2017 season had had him as the ninth ranked quarterback. After 2018, <laughs> had him as the 10th ranked quarterback. And after 2019, yeah. had him as the 11th ranked quarterback. So like yep. 2017 finish and the league was like, he's nine. Maybe he can even go higher. And then two years later, the league was like, he's 11. Maybe he can go higher. Nothing? That's it? Just that much of a move? It's crazy how consistent the league has remained. Like, 
this is going to be, he's 2017 is real. Everything else is nonsense. It's nuts. The Eagles went 14 and 13 with him as a starter in 2018, 2019. Look, quarterback wins aren't everything, but like. They are something. Spare, <laughs> well, they, oh, had yeah, a, they had a good me. roster around them. I mean, they, they, yep. they, they yeah. had a lot well, of injuries. They, I mean, they've had a lot of injuries the last two years, but I think for the most part, the roster has been okay around him. I mean. It could it could have been better than that. There are certainly there are certainly spots on the roster where they have holes, like wide receiver and corner and whatever. Oh, yeah. but, but in the trenches, they've always been good. Like their their O line and D line have been good during right. almost his entire tenure. Yeah. So my takeaway from this trade is basically what I'm trying to say is that the Eagles are not making some like massive colossal mistake by moving on from this guy. And you can play that clip when it does turn out to be that way. <laughs> And I can be on like freezing cold takes or whatever, but that's just honestly how I feel. Like, I've just been so done with Carson, and I've always been leading up basically until this season a big Carson Wentz believer. But between him looking like terrible in training camp, which I so we, I mean, Jimmy and I said that here on BGN Radio. I think we just both didn't know what to fully make of that. Yeah. But he like sucked in training camp. Just flat out was bad. Like he, he is so the ball hit the ground so many times. Like, he couldn't freaking hit the broadside of a barn. Like, it was terrible. And then, you know, he goes on to have this terrible, you know, 2020 season as well. And, again, I don't think that's going to be the same player he is moving forward. But I don't know, man. Like, life comes at you fast sometimes in the NFL. Like, what if he is? Like, what if this this kind of kind of is closer to who he is now and he kind of just flames out? Um, again, I'm not saying that's the likely outcome, but I think it is a, like, a possible one that you have to account for and project and I, I think the Eagles are making the right move ultimately by moving on. And I don't have a lot of doubt in my mind about that. I'm not like, well, are they going to regret this? I, I, I'm not there at all. Me neither. Okay. Jimmy, yes or no? Uh, well, if he needs a mover or if he needs somebody to sell his house, <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, 856-906-9295. Carson, give her a call. <laughs> One last thing before we go, definitely do that, Carson. Um, we did. I don't want to do the Eagle schedule because we we'll have plenty of time to do that an off-season podcast. But we predicted how the Colts are going to finish. Finish, knowing what we don't know about the Eagles' quarterback situation, which is up in the air. Mm-hmm. Quickly, no explanation, no long explanation. Quick, what do the Eagles finish in twenty twenty one? Five and eleven, six and ten. I was going to say six and 10 as well. So, yeah. all right. Ah, and obviously, birds. you know, <laughs> <laughs> they'll win three all of their right. last five, you know, and Rager will look what great his last end. two games. It'll be sick. Sure. <laughs> He'll uh, retweet happy birthday again, maybe, or actually, five be able to do well, now I think about it with the, with the division that they're in. That was my thing was like, they can win at least three in the division. Right. And then I'm sticking with else. five and 11. All right. All right, well, this has been the BGN Radio Emergency Carson Wentz Got Traded podcast. We'll have more podcast coverage coming your way, so rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Go to rightttosellin.com. Check out Right to Sell and Craft Jerky. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off. Follow me on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy on Twitter, at Jimmy Kemsky. Follow Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak. We make it easy for you guys to do that. Uh, check out bleedinggreennation.com. Check out phillyvoice.com for Jimmy's work. And we will talk to you next time. P G N.